Hi, and welcome to Steve Wraith's True Crime Interviews. And uh, joined by uh, Stu Watson, who um, I worked with during lockdown uh, to do a wonderful uh, documentary uh, called Hard Man to Healer. And I did that with Media Arts. I did it with Neil Jackson. And uh, Stu gave us a bit of an insight into his life. So if you want to feel, uh, you want to know Stu a bit better, you want to hear a bit more about, about his story, get yourself on Amazon. The link is below. And you can order that documentary to watch or to keep on your device well worth a watch, well worth uh, looking at. And we talked a lot on there about Stu's past. We talked a lot about um, Stu's current situation and, and what he finds himself doing now. So it's a lot more in depth. Today, I'm going to do a little bit of a refresh just for those of you who maybe haven't met Stu. But then on top of that, I have opened it up to questions. And I've got some interesting ones, probably stuff we didn't actually cover on the documentary, which is probably beneficial. But Stu, how are you doing, first of all, mate? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I kind of grumble. It's uh, one of diff- everything. Everybody's living in different times at the minute, and we've got to make the most of it. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent, mate. hundred um, percent. Okay. Well, let's for those people who don't know you and and are coming to this podcast and and want to know a little bit about you, just tell us tell us where you were born first of all, and where were you brought up? I was born and bred in the teams. Um, rough bringing up, uh, dragged up, had nothing. Uh, it was, it was six of us, six kids, uh, and it was really hard bringing up. Um, and I've got an elder brother, and it was, uh, there's three of us. There was a year and ten months between uh, three of us. Um, and my older brother used to make like fight for like cat and dog. Uh, and it was a proper, I'm on about proper fighting, uh, from being seven years old to up to Fleming, 14, 15. Um, and we used to, it was stitches and proper, proper messy, you know. I mean, f- f- for you were, you, the, were you in the middle? Were you the middle brother? I, or were you... I was the youngest, I was the youngest, uh, young, I was the youngest lad. Wow. And then it was, uh, my sister was, I got a younger sister called Linda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it didn't take long before <sighs> me shining through to end up filming there. <laughs> What I was, you know. Um, I mean, the teams is part of Gateshead, and and as you say, I mean, having so many brothers and you know, you having your sister, having your brothers, it, it it's going to be tough, isn't it? I mean, what what were you, what were your mum and dad into? What were, were they both working? Yeah, oh, they were just. My dad was just a labourer on a building site. Uh, he he didn't see had a rough bringing up as he as a youngster as well. Uh, he was a he used to uh, he was a used to bury the dead when he was in the army. Um, so he he seen a lot of things that. People shouldn't have to see, you know. Uh, anybody in anybody in any lifetime should see what he's seen, you know. Mm. Um, was he at the gun and and bury the dead from the in the wars, not in the war? What did it your was, mom? What did your mom do? Me mum used to work in uh, in the behind the bar, and that you know, and uh, she used to work down the British ropes down at the teams. That was a it was a, the British ropes then was like there, and the glass house was like a place where the the women went went to work in the teams area, you know. Mm. And gets it. Uh, yeah, she, well, it would, we didn't end nothing, you know. We didn't end any luxuries in life. Uh, but, uh, but uh, just yeah, that's how, that's why I was dyslexic at school. I'm still dyslexic now. Um, in them days, it wasn't wasn't seen as a as an illness, you know. Or as kind of see an illness. It's not an illness as such, mm-hmm. but it is. It is. It does hold you back very, very uh, much. Yeah, um, recognised, was it? Wasn't recognised. I wouldn't. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It's it's very frustrating. Um, and as 
I was at school. I was I used, I rebelled at school. I didn't I didn't I couldn't understand how I how I was getting things wrong because it looked everything looked all right to me. Mm-hmm. And I rebelled. I jumped through the windows at school and I was off. And I just didn't. I thought I used to take twat, you know. And I just put it doing it. I was stupid, you know. Um, and they put us at the front of the class, back of the class, and you know. And then they used to then you used to just get a, a, a scud and and. and in the finish, when I got I was about 13 years old, I was fighting with the teachers and uh, I just rebelled and, and I left school. I left school with not a not a degree or anything or a, or a spirit level, I mean, bloody old level, I left for nothing, you know. Um, and I mean, in life, and I, and, I, and I learned a lot more in life when I, when I left school. And now I've, I've been a successful businessman, so I don't know, I understand that people so frustrated when they've got this and they didn't know what it was in them days, you know. Um, well, you went to sport at school. I mean, you've always, you've always, yeah, the, the was time always, that I've known, you've always been physically, you've, you've, you've been fit. Do you know what I mean? So we had yeah. sport that I didn't rest. Yeah. Yeah, I was just do well. Um, it wasn't a sport I couldn't, I was, you know, I was really good at, at sports. Yeah, I was really good at school, sports. Football, I played for Gated Boys when I was a young lad, played for Red uh, played for the county at football, you know, so I was banging at me football, yeah. Was that around about the time of Gaza and that then? Yeah, just just uh, just before Gaza. Mm-hmm. Just before Gaza. Um, it was Hodge. Now, Hodge used to play for, um, he played for Middlesbrough. Yes, uh, David Hodgson. Yeah, V. Hodgson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I alongside him when I was uh, then in Leon Gill. Yeah, I, yeah, then, yeah. Then, them were just a year or so older than me, yeah. What position yeah. did you play, Stu? I played uh, it was left, it was either inside left then or left or left half. Yeah, you know, it's left. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I can imagine. I and you went on, of course, years later, would to you know to, to be involved with football again, didn't you? With um, yeah. with a couple of teams locally as well. But yeah, it's something that never leaves you. I think it's I think it's all part of being a Geordie football it, for most Geordies, well, for most Geordies lads, anyway. But, yeah, but it's in your blood. It's in, it's in you. Uh, I was like, they used to say to me when I played for Gates of the County, you know, when I was a young kid, it's 14, 15 year old. I used to say, she'll keep him with the game. And I, I said, hey, man, more people and keep them with the game. <laughs> fairly, but hardly, hard. Yeah. But fairly. Yeah. Sometimes you used to take the players off because I used to, I mean, now give them the likeness of a dog, you know, but that was your job. That was that was when you could play football and, and could, and could and you could, you know, get a tackle in. Yeah. yeah, but you know, that's not like now. You know, you're trying to touch any bugger. Yeah, true, mate. True. So, I mean, you you talked a little bit at, at the start there about, about fighting, about getting stitches. I mean, was this just fights with other kids in the street? Was this fights with kids at school or was it a bit of both? It was a bit of both. I had anything I had, I had to fight for it because I couldn't, me, me, mum, and dad couldn't. We never had anything, and I'd never ever blame them for their, them, anything for that. It was just that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. And accepted that, uh, but I just I wanted you know when it come to leaving school and that I want a bit more in life. Um, and I went down two forks then I went down the wrong fork and uh, road. Uh, but I never never regret it. No ashamed of it, and I never will be, and I never regret it. You see, you went down uh, the wrong you went down the wrong fork in the road. I mean, you know how did how did you start? What was your first what was your first bit of villainy? Well, I, <laughs> When I when I was I never I didn't even have a criminal record as such. Yeah, it's um, it was a carry on at hobos that led me doing the the the, the naughty side. Yeah, 
the bad side. Well, of course, that's yeah. well public. It's well publicised. You can see it on the documentary, but we'll, we will touch on it because people will expect it, I guess, on the interview. And that's look, it's it's a clip. I'm sure you've seen many, many times. It's been yeah. on TV programs. It's been used on the internet, like used on documentaries. And of course, this was a, an incident at Hobo's nightclub uh, where you know you were a doorman at the time. And, and yep. you know, a well-known figure, Viv Graham, uh, God rest his soul, who's no longer with us, came down and had, you know, had an altercation with you. And tell, tell us a little bit about it. Well, I didn't know, it's, you know, it, 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 truthfully, if if they did that, that these days, the police, they had set cameras up in there that had been a right set up and asked, they wanted somebody who would start the door and deny these access, you know? It was, uh, it was... It was there was Viv Fish, uh, there was Michael Stephen, um, Rob Armstrong, and Viv, and I know they come in there. And I, did, I wasn't aware that the police had set me up. That set me up like a like a flimmin', like a lump of meat. Uh, if if there was if, tr- if the truth was known, they should have got them should have been charged with conspiracy to murder the police. The authorities should have been. As when I was in there, um, it was, they can see for themselves what happened on these um, on these uh, on the video itself, um, and mm-hmm. what had happened was on this video itself was uh, there's the fight started, blah blah blah, and Viv just his best and best, and you, you couldn't you couldn't do that was I wouldn't go and do, and he says go and do, I'm gonna stick you, and I says no. And this went when I went to court. I, I was getting Carl Dallas and Carl Dallas saying I was made, I had done made statements that I knew nothing and set this up. I had nothing, and I swear down I knew nothing about this. And as it was going forward, and it went to court, I didn't make a statement. I didn't do anything. Now this guy, this it, this the prosecution when the police took the stand when it went to court, they turned around and asked them. The, sorry, the, the defence for fiving them, they asked the, the, the coppers, the CIDs, and who were in there, there were six of them in there, and they didn't intervene at once, any time. So they turned around and asked them, when, were, when was your orders to intervene with this, if this man was in with an inch of his life? So they turned around, well, their, their answer was, our orders, we didn't have to intervene at any time, we had to let this take its course. <laughs> It's the conspired, the conspired. Shall I sort that dog, please? That's a dog snore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was that was their orders. Them didn't let them intervene at any time. So they says you said he's an inch, this man was an inch through his life. Mm-hmm. And I was out they put me in there to be killed. Strong statement, strong statement, and something which it's, you know, which people can see for, for themselves. You know, it's I, the truth. Yeah, Stephen, they've got it. They've got it there. It's all in. It, it's in all in the, uh, the archives of the courts. I've got. I've got the paperwork showing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that this is the truth. What I'm telling you, it's. In, I swear down, it's the truth. Them put me in a position, and the six CIDs stood and watched them, and it says they had their orders was they didn't have to intervene in this at, into at any time. Got For me, that's a consp- conspiracy. conspiracy. A couple of people have commented uh, when, when I asked for questions. Paul Holman on YouTube says, looking back at that footage of the Viv Graham incident, I thought Stu handled it pretty well. 
He must have known the other door lads were going to leave him. And to be fair, Viv Graham made a bit of a fool of himself. He threw everything at Stuart, including the kitchen sink, and he was still standing easily. I didn't like the way Viv Graham stole it on Stu or like the mob mentality walking in. Fair deuce to Stu. He stood his ground and he tried doing his job, knowing that he was on his own. I mean, did it have that feeling that day? When, yeah, when he... but, but when it, when it, when it come into the fight, um, come in, and then when I, and I, I'm like watching, like looking about for a few seconds, and every I got deserted, and I thought, whoops, you're on your own here. You've got to have to take this. I couldn't, I couldn't fight back because I now I had a fought back. If he had went down, I knew I could take his stuff, and I didn't know he could take mine. And he, then I would have been in trouble. I would have got stuck. Hmm. I would have got stuck. The table started to turn. It would have stuck us. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, look, I've I've been in I've been in many situations myself as a doorman, but nothing is as as foreboding as that. And like that's the one thing I think everybody says when they watch it. Fair play to you, Stu, for for doing that. You did you did your job and went beyond. Um, it would have been very easy just to to try and get out of that situation, but you stood your ground. Yeah, but it didn't it didn't the the police knew I the, the I was I was chosen specifically to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. Okay, FCU86 on YouTube said, would you have fancied your chances against Viv Graham if it was just the two of you in a room and no repercussions afterwards? So straightener. I never bowed down anybody. I never bowed down anybody. I stood and fought anybody. I stood and fought anybody. He didn't fear me. I wasn't. I knew what to take all his stuff. I shot. So it wasn't the first time we had a rumble. So what, yeah, was, the, what was the first time? The first time was Julie's nightclub when he's... Uh, First time I'd taken a bloody ecstasy tablet, to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And I was off, I'd, I didn't have as author, I'm author. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got, and, and he come up and he says, uh, Watson, and they, I turned around and he up, I cut us. And he generally knocks everybody out. And he hit us and he cut his ears, he's got a score on my chin there. Mm-hmm. And he cut us in, I just looked and, and, and he was shocked that I was still there. Yeah. And then after that, he says, Listen, we're going to be pals here and sort the suit and because everybody's talking this, talking that. I, and I couldn't be afraid. I, I worked with them for a little bit, I mm-hmm. With rock shots. I worked with them a little bit rock shots. And with a bit of an altercation up there, because he hadn't been in there for six, he hadn't been there for six weeks or so. And he sent, um, he said, sent Dodgy Ray. Now, Dodgy Ray is dead now. And he, he was well-named Dodgy Ray. Um, and he says, uh, Viv sent us for his money. I says, what money? He says, for the day in the door. I says, listen, Viv didn't need the door. I've done it. I says, I've been threatened with my life. They're going to shoot me in this status. I've had everything pulled on us. I can't. Does he think I'm some fucking, sorry, the lamb was there. Does he think I'm some kind of mug and he's going to be sitting in the house now? I've got to put up all this shit. I says, it's not happening. I says, tell me he's not getting his money. He says, not be happy. I says, tell me I'm not happy. I says, I'm having to do his work and my work. And he wants the same money as me. I says, Tim, it's not happening. And he said, Tim, let's take the money up his arse. And I said, I didn't keep the money. I just employed more door stuff because it was ruthless then. You know yourself it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, mate. One, 100%. Uh, you know, it was it, it was like the Wild West. I mean, I came into it at the back end of the 90s, uh, just before licensing came in. My first job was at Masters. 
Um, and I used to do the weekend shift. I used to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday down there. And people used to start a Masters and finish a Masters, as you probably remember. And it was, yeah. Um, yeah, it was like the Wild West. The light system that you had, the green, the amber, the, you know, the, the, the red for, for the different areas in the bar. And, yeah. you know, it was a different time. Uh, it was a different time. A lot of a lot of people asking about Viv, you know, and, and lots of different questions. I'll take this one from Carl as well. He says, you took a lot of punches from Viv Graham, yet you stood and took them. Was he a hard puncher or have you had far harder punches from other disgruntled customers? He said, you did take those punches well. And I think a lot of other folk would have been down after three or four of them. But you took about was, 15, fair play, he says. He was a knockout merchant. If one punch, he used to hit them once and out. Mm -hmm. He's a very, very powerful kid. But... I've been gifted what I've got, the gift I've got now, Stephen, we'll touch on it. I was protected all the time, yes. I was protected all the time. I've had people pull guns on us and put, pull the trigger like twice and it just nicked either side of the bullet and gone off, yes. And I've been protected all my life. Um, it was it was naughty in them days. It was naughty in them days. A guy called uh, Alan Swindon, he's at Rock Shots, uh, in Ireland, he was a dangerous, he was gay, but he was a dangerous kid, really dangerous. Mm -hmm. And he had been acting his cell, I'd not gone into too much in that, in that asses, and yet I'd been on holiday, and he had been disrespectful to the staff and the door staff. The door staff didn't get paid the money to keep people like that, who I did. Now, this, this kid, he come up there on his Friday night, he says, Swindon's at the door. I says, keep him there. So they kept him there, and I went doing it. See, I, I says, you're not getting any board. He goes up, he says, you'll get it. <laughs> I says, and if him and his pal pulled a gun at it. And we're standing on the stairs and the doorman went inside. And I said, didn't play with him. I says, I'll put it up your nose and blow your heat off. And he goes, he goes, you'll get it. I says, well, didn't play with him. And I stand there on the stairs at Rock Shots and let two bullets, they let two shots kind of above my head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they went to they're backing off. There's, there's five of them in this old Granada. <laughs> and the Granada they went to get in it wouldn't start <laughs> so they had to get out and push it against go on until mob <laughs> and that's how dangerous it was then that guy there when I'm talking about Alan Swindon he went on he chopped Jimmy Jimmy's fingers off in Madison's on the Friday night oh sorry he chopped them off on the Thursday night yet he'd done that shooting the rock shots on the on the Friday night and then he killed the kid around it um, Walkers on the and he's still inside now. He's got a 25-year wreck. Killed a kid. Um, we said it woke us. Can you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, again, it was like the Wild West back in those days yeah. in, in, in that, yeah, in that period of time. Gordy's yeah, asking about another well-known face and a well-respected face in Gateshead, and that's Big Billy. He says, uh, how does Stuart regard Big Billy Robinson as a fighter back in the day? I'm sure he boxed in the ring. He did. Billy, Billy, was, a, Billy was a big, big tough guy. He was a big lad, Billy. He's a big handy fella, yeah? yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was, he um, gentleman as well. That I, I, I respect where they, where they deserve respect. They were a fighter. I'll tell them they were a fighter. Yeah, they, yeah. And I, you know, I'll give them a, give them credit where it's due. Yeah, he deserved he deserved recognition because he was a tough guy. Yeah. Um, I know sometimes with some of the questions, you, you'll have to be very careful. You may not want to comment, so feel free to move on if you don't want to. Flailand Bashers says, "What was the grief with Paul Ashton all about?" Yeah, it was. I never had it. It was wasn't my grief, um, but it was. It was people. People will tell you it, that now. No other score on it. Um, he's not a nice kid, is he? 
he's not a nice kid at all. Um, we'll just leave it at that. He wasn't was a nice kid. Uh, yeah, and I'm not gonna go into details about it. It was just it was it was a really really it was a rough it was a hard time to do it. And he was you know he's, he's, he was a dangerous kid. Yeah, dangerous kid. If you let them, everybody's dangerous if you let them. Okay. Everybody is. Disgruntled vet. Um, he asks uh, about Ernie Buick. Um, a guy from Sunderland. Um, did, did did you have any dealings with Ernie Buick and any any no, stories about him? Well. Me and Ernie got on well. Uh, he was a tough kid, Ernie. He was a tough kid. Uh, he was a tough kid. Um, yeah, he had a, yeah. I think he had a he had a fight with um, with Billy. I think um, with Andy Webb's gym. Um, yeah, no, he's a tough kid. He was he wasn't a huge, you know he wouldn't shy of a fight. Uh, Ernie, he was a tough lad. Yeah, okay, okay. And obviously some people asking about other faces. Lee Duffy is another one that's been mentioned a couple of times by people in the chat. Uh, Steve Boy Billens asks that. Uh, Latterly Footfoy says, hi, Steve, can I ask you um, if Stu ever met Lee Duffy? Does he have any yeah. stories about him? And did you come across the dub? I says Del Boy. So everybody asking about Lee Duffy. Yeah, I come across Lee. I met him a couple of times. I uh, was at a rave down at Oz, down at um, South, South Shields. Um he was in there with Michael Sears and he come across and he's, he says, uh, oh, he says, oh, Stu, I says, oh, he says, I'm Lee. I says, oh, Lee, pleased to meet you. He says, you look like hard work. I says, well, I says, we shouldn't have to find that out, should we? And that was as far as me and Lee got to. And we just shook hands and that was it. Yeah, he had quite a reputation, didn't he? Did Was his reputation, yeah. I mean, his reputation seems to have grown since he passed away. Um, did, yeah, well, was, that reputation there, was that reputation there when he was alive? Yeah, well, everybody happens. That's I think that happens to everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where you know when you're living the life, you don't expect you know in 20, 25 years in the future that these stories are still going to be recollected. Can you still believe that you know the stories about Viv are still as prominent now as they were back in the day? Yeah, he was a tough kid. He was a tough kid, you know. So he was a very very strong kid in the gym. Um, he's a very powerful kid. You know, so I'm a poor lad, but it's you know I've always been have been, um, just lot natural. Uh, I didn't start training. I was 30 years of age. You know, so I was just I was just a scrap. I just used to I just used to fight anybody. You know. I mean, you t- you, yeah. you clearly trained a lot. Um, I mean, did you did you take steroids back in the day? I've took steroids. I'm not sure I haven't because I have. But I was I was a natural strong kid, uh, which people used to have to take steroids to get where I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I had I took steroids to get where they're more. They, they, they're that, you know, the other kids who tough kids because they were they were full of it. They were full of it, you know. What gym did you used to train in? Down at the Vigor gym. Ah, right. Okay, the one next to the high level bridge. Yeah, down there. Yeah, was that was a pretty that was pretty much a dormant kind of gym, wasn't it? The likes of Hassan and people like that used to get in there as well. Yeah, they did I Hassan, I yeah. Yeah, yeah he was a he was a gentleman. He was a he was a gentleman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I worked with him a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, spot on. I mean, with the doors, there's also this. You know, the, the story that goes round is that you know the doorman that ran the drugs in the city, and you know they they were they were behind a lot of the crime. Is that is that accurate, or is that something which which has been exaggerated over time? Well, I leave that for people to just make their own decisions on that. I'm not going to elaborate on that. You know, I just leave that as as it is. Uh, it was what it was. Mm-hmm. It was what it was, and there was a lot of violence and a lot of lot of 
violence and serious violence or, or things like that. You say the hobos thing changed your life and, and dragged you into things you didn't want to get involved in. What what yeah. ha- what ha- what happened once you know the you know the likes of Viv and Stephen got jailed for that? What 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 happened for for you then? Well, they tried they tried to do us again. The police tried to do me again. I was doing uh, doing the door down across Keys and Dunson, and this kid was in there. He was, he's obviously he'd mortal and that hanging on to the bloody bar rail. The, the manager says, "Still get him, get him out." I, I, I pulled his hands up the bar rail, pulled him off it, and as I pulled him off it, he's he was that gone. He put his hands in by his side, and the way he went, and he's in his like now when I got up and I kind of stopped myself. Mm. Bang, he threw this one in bullseye windows. So, anyway, he went to his flaming head, fell open like that, and there was 48 stitches, and he's not about staples yet. Now, that kid there signed his cell to the hospital the next day. He had been out, won't sell again, and he got a you know for sale sign out of somebody's garden and he broke somebody's leg with it and when he went to the when he got nicked them in a the busy station then a turnaround system um <laughs> took his hat off him says who's done that and he says oh and he tells them the tale he says yeah listen and this is a busy is this and vivin our limbs in on remand he says, yeah Saying the statement, saying short Watson grabbed you by the hair, smashed your head through the window, and kicked you unconscious. Right? <laughs> and good job I, I had me wits about this. Like when I seen them coming to the flat that I was staying at the time, so I, I got got myself out the flat. And when I found out what it was all about, I went to this to, to the there was twenty five people in the bar at the time, and they all went to court on the Monday and made statements to Miss Lister saying to the different. Seeing a completely different uh, what them seen, and it got hired out of court, right? This it, the charge got withdrawn because the kid was there that got his leg broke as well, mm. yeah. And they've turned and they said to him, they turned around and, and when he tell he tell the the says that lad who was to make this statement, will you not get charged with breaking that lad's leg if you sign this? <laughs> so that you know, and I so. I need, I've got, still got need confidence in them. Still got no confidence at all. They are what they are. Yeah. And what they want to get, they try to nick me for that and remind me in the jail with them. Wow. Wow. And you, you want now what would have happened in there, wouldn't it? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I mean, obviously, moving forward, you know, the, the, we've touched on, we've touched on the, the Ashy situation. We don't want to go into that, but we look, Look ahead again a bit further in the future. They're trying to do you for running prostitution in the area. That was that the final attempt at putting uh, Stu Watson behind bars. Well, believe it or not, they had me down in, in court, and, and I was they still went ahead. They, they made a right up, Stephen. Aye, the guns. They says there was another. They, this this put my name into the into the system. Yeah, hmm. put me date of birth in. Put me me. I mean, this there's only this. But that's Stuart Watson from down Birmingham. Same date of birth. His national insurance number was one digit different. Same bloody name, Stuart Watson. And he, he's never worked in his life. Never paid any taxes, never paid any VAT, anything. And they said, we've got him, we've got him. Without, you know, and they'd made a mistake. And when, it, when this went to court, they couldn't stop this ball rolling. And, that, and that's when I'm seeing this out in court, I'm saying, well, 
They're not talking about me. And it was a gym for two weeks. And when it got a gym for two weeks, they had to come back in his humble pie and say it wasn't him. Yeah? But they still went ahead with it. And they had me down to six foot two with black hair. <laughs> and see, I've got black hair. And I've, I've been like this since I've been bloody 20... Well, I, I was lost my hair when I was living 15, 16 years. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It, yeah. And it went, it went to trail. It went to trail. Six weeks trail. It was going to be a six-week trail. And there was three coppers, right? I didn't know them. They got took off the case because they went to the superior officer and they turned around and said that in, when they had that meeting, yeah, they says that whatever it's going to take to get Stuart Watson, lie, manipulate, peer witnesses, we're going to have them. And then what them had left the Air Force and joined the police force. And it says, yeah, we haven't, this is wrong. We haven't joined the, the police force for this. This is wrong. And it says, put up or shut up. And it took them off the case. But they had memo that these they'd been asked to send a memo. So when a court case started, my barrister, Christopher Knox, he got a phone call off one of them. He says, Do you know who do you know these? Says, he says, the one your case is, I didn't know them, I've not seen them before. It says they're willing to take the stand against the superior officers, and they've got a memo there and seeing that they had, what they had to do to get me nicked. And it went and they, they had to pull, pull all these cute, uh, these all top notch, bloody, all that come in with the flat caps on, all the pips on, and they shit themselves. And they dropped all charges, didn't drop the charges on us, that they find is not guilty on all charges and all accounts. Well, it's an amazing story that, and um, yeah. you know, to, to think that they will spend that kind of money to try and convict you on something you had nothing to do with is it, it just it beggars belief. Taxpayers' money getting spent on things like that. Well, if they've, listen, they've got a job to do. Get your job done. If you're going to do the job, do the fuck up properly, and don't don't like try to fit somebody up. If you've got the evidence there. Mm. It's a game there. You're playing cat and mouse. You've got to be better at the game than them all. If, if they're going to put hurdles there and lie and deceive people and, and pay people to get you nicked, that is wrong. Never mind if you're guilty or not. Have they left you alone since then, Stu? Yes and no. You know, yes and no. Because obviously you're involved yes. in the licensing trade, I can imagine they can make it quite difficult. Yeah, well, it's just, yeah, well, it's time that... Uh, I couldn't get a license. No, I couldn't get a license. But it's you know, it's it's still a, it's what you've you know you've got it you know as simple as that, and, and you're involved in it, and it can't put hurdles up. Yeah, and they can make it. They can make it difficult. I mean, look, it's again, it, it it's you know good to see that you've come through this. You know, and 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 yeah, you're still you're still here. You're still to tell a tale. You know, the likes of Irvin Lee Duffy and they haven't been as lucky. Braille was another question from him. He said, uh, "Could you ask Stuart?" who he thought was the toughest guy back in the day. Um, and the, the names he's given are Viv, obviously, Lee Duffy, Brian Cockrell, Billy Robinson. Um, those are the four names he's given. I think we'll chuck Ernie Buick in there as well. Out of all of them, is it an impossible answer to give? Or could you say, well, actually, I think he was the toughest guy out of all of them? Listen, Stephen, it's like anything else. It's how good you're on the deer. Hmm. Not, you, you can get a, a box that can go in the ring with... And if you get, if you're better, if you your your body is better, feels better, and and you feel better in yourself on that day and the fight, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how you feel, 
Yeah. And it's like everything else, everybody that can beat somebody, one good punch that could finish the game. The difference here is, is being able to take them punches. Everybody can everybody can knock somebody out. Everybody can. But the fighter is the man that will stand there and two at the two and have a fight. So it's it's on the day. Alec Hall asks something completely unrelated, but more about the job as a doorman. He says, the thing I think about bouncers uh, is that they must miss a lot of quality family time. He says, gym twice a day for most of them and working most of the night. If Stu could turn back time, would he choose a different job with normal hours? He says, it must affect a lot of relationships being a doorman, not around at night, partners worrying about violence on their husbands or boyfriend at work, not seeing the kids at night. So yeah, if Stu was young again, would he have yeah. chosen a different life? Uh, depends on my circumstances. On if sometimes you kind of change, you kind of change that. If if you want to get on in life and you've got and the opportunities there, you've got to try and take it. And sometimes you you, you take them jobs just because they're well paid. And that with having no qualifications, it was hard to get a well paid job. Yeah, and, and the money was good, wasn't it? That's the thing. The money was yeah. the money was good. Back in those days, it was better than it is now. I mean, now yeah. some of them are getting stewards' wages for, for taking the same kind that, of risks. Yeah, that's right. But this that all the places now, yeah, a lot of security there with cameras and, and everything there now. You feel the feel the doorman feel a lot safer now, I think. In in them in them days, there was very, very there was the cameras there, the old the, the old things there, you know, and, and you should, you could gun in and see kids that video over there. And just off with it, and you know, and nicknames of the ten or whatever. But was used to shit that Were you ever frightened? Was there ever a time? I mean, that Viv Graham situation came on you quite quickly. I can imagine the adrenaline was going for you. But I mean, was there any moment in time where you actually feared for your life, or you were worried? There's plenty of times I feared for my life, but I wasn't worried. Mm. Uh, if I was worried, I wouldn't be. I would have been out the game. I shouldn't have been in it. When you're worried, when you're worried, Stephen, that's when you make mistakes, and that's how you get beat. Because you're fearing instead of being like on on your game, you're not on your game when you fear. You mentioned earlier, um, you know that someone was watching over you, and this takes us nicely into the the, the last part of the interview. Um, Hard man to healer tells us where we're going here because you know you 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 managed to stay out of prison, you turned your life around. You're legit now, but you had a you had a situation which occurred, which has led you to what you do now um, in your life. Tell us, tell us what happened. Yeah, it was was well, Stephen? You know, you've had the experience yourself. You've seen, you've been there firsthand, have you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, and the power that I can, the energy and power I can sum up to heal people. Um, I've been a gift. It's a gift from God, Jesus. It's it's so it's a it's amazing, so powerful. Um, I've, I can heal people who drop their hat. I can heal animals. Uh, if people want to go onto me to, uh, on the Facebook on Divine Lake Cosmic Healing and read the comments for themselves and the testimonies and the photographs, they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable. Ev, ev, they're miracles. That's what the other miracles. Yeah. There's a girl there that's just come to us there over the Christmas there. She had a dog there. Um, it was Blandy, uh, people in that Blandy, um, and it said little Chihuahua. It had had puppies, and it had it, it had uh, took bad. It was really bad. Took it to the vets, and they gave it one percent chance of living. And she phoned me up, and she says, "Sure, will you 
Will you help her? And I says, yeah, I'll help you. So I says, where's the dog? She says, the vet's, uh, this is another lady got it, but this last who had it, she was emotional as anything. Part of the family. And the dog's really in a bad way. Um, the vet says, put the dog down, put the dog down. She says, no, Stuart's going to heal it. So I've done me thing across the phone. And it's hard to believe, but I'm not a man to see it, you know, to get any, any bullshit. I'm telling you the truth. I sp- I'll, when, when I speak to somebody and I speak something, I'll tell the truth as much as I can, yeah, as, as, as I see it. Now, this dog had 1% chance of living. Tell, the vet tell them to put it down three times. The dog was, was suffering. It was going to have a heart attack. It was just, it's, its heart was just at a murmur. And it was getting, uh, what's the word? It was getting... Blood poison, what do you call it? Uh, when it gets, you get poison in your blood. Oh, yes, like blood poisoning. Yeah, yeah, like septicemia. Yeah, septicemia. Yeah, getting that. Now, so I've done my healing across it, doing the phone. And it's the testimonies is on the Divine Light page on Facebook. Now, that dog, the vet says you'll get a phone call through the night because it'll be 10 years past away. You may as well put it down. She says, no, I believe in the healer. They got a phone call 10 o'clock in the morning and says, I'm phoning you up because she says, I can't, the vet says, I can't understand this. It's a miracle. She says, the dog has made a full recovery. You can come and pick it up the day at two o'clock. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. And I mean, you know, you, you, you've you, obviously hard man to heal at. It's well worth watching on Amazon for some more in-depth stories that, that she's yeah. got. But you give us a full insight into this, and there's again, I'm not going to show it on this podcast, but there's a there's a there's an amazing scene in, in the bar where we see what can only be described as a a ghost. Um, it's an angel. It was an angel scene. It's, it's like a, it's it's like a ghostly figure going across the screen, and and you said to me that's an angel, Steve. And when I looked at it, I was like, he's having a laugh here, but it it, it, it is. <laughs> It is you quite see it, quite clearly see the shape. I, I, yeah. I mean that that in itself is it, it, it's it, you know it, it proves because a lot of people will look at you and go he's mad he's bonkers he's this he's that yeah. I know you've I know you've had to face that but yeah, ultimately but... ultimately I came in with an open mind and I certainly believe in 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 you having something Stu I've got to be honest Stephen listen that people should realise how hard it was for me to come out with this. I had this for two years before I come out with it. And because as, as my family was saying, what the, what's people going to say, Dad? And I says, the finisher says, listen, you're bringing friends to me with damaged legs and football and that, and your family members is bringing friends. I said, nah, and, and I tell them not to tell anyone. How can I, I says, how can they not tell anybody when they're poorly like that? And then the next day they're kicking, when I've got a really bad injury and they're kicking the ball about and, and back on the, on the pitch like Fleming within two days I says how can I not tell people I says the pebbles being thrown into the water I says and I'm prepared for what people are saying I says you've got to be prepared I says that is <laughs> I'm not hiding behind it no longer I says it is the truth and that's when that the sphere of light comes through the, the ceiling in the, in, the, in the room and we're watching on the CCTV and it went on the floor, manifest, manifest into the person, and then got wings on his back and walked through the wall. Yeah, that's what you've seen. And that's because I admitted who I was and what I can do. 
that was exactly within minutes of me saying, I'm not bothered. I'm telling, yeah, can I have to prepare what people say, say like I am? I says, and, and that was a gift for me saying, well done, Stuart, there's some evidence for you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, on the video uh, documentary that we did during lockdown, we actually had a couple of testimonies from people as well. You know, we didn't just go in and interview you and, and put your side of the story across. There was a couple of people who came down and um, there was one, a young mother and a young disabled boy. Tell, obviously, tell us a little bit about that. I was, it was yeah, you call him Callum. Callum, that's lad. right, yeah. And he's, he's got uh, self-pause. He's, he's, he's not a well child anyway. Now, I was growing up, I was shopping, it was four days before Christmas, and I was going to my wife shopping, and we're concert way. So anyway, I got to get this, as, as we're driving along the road, there's this big massive cross come towards the car, in the going gold. And I says to my wife, she couldn't see, and I can't, she says, I says, how can you not see that? And anyway, passed through the car. And then about 50 yards further along the road, same cross, but it's got Jesus on this time. And it's coming into the corner, guys. And she says, watch the road, short. watch the road. So we're driving along. Within two minutes of this happening, I get a phone call from Lindsay Smith at the club. She says, Stuart, I've got a fellow on the phone. Yeah, he's beside himself. He's crying his heart out. His son's got two hours to live. Now, I knew that was a message from me, from Jesus, yeah? yeah. That I was going to get this call. And the phone call, the dad was on and he couldn't hardly, he says, I don't know, Stuart, he says, I don't believe in this. He says, but I've, I've, my son's got two hours to live. All the family's here in the RVI. He says, and I went to do me grieving, he put the, me iPad on. He says, and that, that um, interview you've done in the, uh, for the Chronicle six months ago, it's on the top of the page and, you're, and, I, and I, have, I haven't even searched for you anything. You're there. So I've decided I've must phone you. He says, I didn't believe in it. I says, it's not what you believe in. I says, I says, calm down, calm down. He says, well, could you help me son? I says, well, <laughs> at the time I didn't have, I could help him or not. But I says, I'll come and try. So I didn't go on Christmas shopping. That was a bonus. <laughs> I hear shopping. Uh, again, so flies across the RVI. Gets there and all his family's there. I'll sit and say nothing. Knee pressure. I was shitting it, tell the truth. I walked through. I see the boy there, and he's got all the tubes in him. And he's not in a, you've, you've, well, you've got the, you've got the, you've got the evidence there, Steve, haven't you? Yeah. 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 Now, I held the lad, put my hands on his, put my arm around him, held his head, put my hand on his chest. His blood pressure had went that lure. Um, his heart rate had dropped that lure. He's, they couldn't get these fiber optic lenses into his, and throw into his veins to get into his kidneys. He was killing himself while the toxins were going in his body. And they said, we can't, with the hospital said, we've done everything we can. We can't deem him for him. He's got, you've got two of us. And when I do, went in and done mine, I'm, I've got, when I come in, I do my healing, Jesus stands with me. He's there and I see him. I see him, Stephen. And I, I, I swear down, on whatever I, I, I take any, I would take any polygraph, I would any lie detect anything. I would, I would pass it like that. Now, I'm all tearful. I'm coming out the hospital. I said, I've done what I've can. I said, it's in God's hands now, Jesus's hands. So I come through him, gets in the house, and I'm all emotional. I'm getting emotional now. And I get, get comes in the house, and I, and I was telling uh, 
when Sean was driving, driving across and that. Because by the time we got in the house from the RVI to Gateshead, the phone goes and she says, Stuart, I don't know what you've done. She says, but his blood pressure's went up, his heart rate's come up. Again, they've got the fiber optic lenses into his, through his veins, into his kidneys, and he's got a good chance to survive. And the young man's still alive now. It's an amazing story that, and the testament from from the you know from the child's the, parents and um, uh, there was a, a man was the man was there and the grand was there. Fascinating, yeah. And they had this, they had the son with him, yeah. Yeah, and that's on the Hard Man to Healer documentary, which is available on Amazon. Yeah. Well, well worth well well just well worth a watch and well worth anybody's time. Uh, just just looking at it, and I can understand be, people being skeptical um, of these kind of things, well, but when you watch it, wow. Why would them want to lie for me? Yeah. I didn't know them. I didn't know them till like this happened. You know, why why does people want to? I wouldn't expect people to lie. I don't want people to lie for me. All I want them to do is tell the truth. And then be ashamed of the truth. Then be ashamed that you think that Jesus has just helped you and frightened to see it because you're a tough guy. Yeah. Yeah. Because even at the end of the day, no matter who you are, yeah, when any of your family your close friends they're in trouble everybody guns that corner and again please god yeah mm -hmm. for help doing it yeah yeah so remember anybody says oh i don't believe i don't believe at the back of your mind there's someone telling you to go and pray and that's for help isn't it I think even more so now with the current climate and, and the way we find yeah. ourselves, the, the, the way that the world has changed, um, yeah. you know. So from your perspective, taking this on, you know, you've set your own, uh, you've set your own place up. And I mean, people can find you again. Just give the Facebook page a shout out. It's Divine Lake Cosmic Healing uh, on Facebook. Um, if any, if you've, anybody's got any doubts, go on there. Look at the look at the evidence on there. Look at the photographs, the videos I've got on there. That this world unbelievable. Like you can uh, they'll stand up any scrutiny, and I will stand up to any any test, lie detector, anything. Anybody wants to question it and they want to pay the money, I will stand up to any scrutiny and any lie detector. Yeah, I had a girl in there um, over the Christmas. She's had both. She had both plus, plus the booster, yeah? Mm -hmm. And she, her, her arms were burning, her skin was coming off, and it was going down her body, it going down her, down her chest. She got two sessions off me, Stephen, and, she, it was, and she's never had any, it hasn't happened again in five days, the burning's gone. What she said was, Stuart, I've had to come to you. She says, because I've, no, none of the doctors can do anything for us, just, she says, but you can. And it stopped. It stopped within with after two sessions. It's unbelievable, but I am telling the truth. I'll, I'll, I will stand up to any scrutiny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Listen. It's uh, it's certainly well worth having a look. And I think you know, as I say, the testaments that you have on your on your Facebook page, the testaments that we show on the documentary from from people who've been to see you or who have spoken to you. Um, there's certainly something in it. Some might say it can be it's mind over matter, but there's clearly something there. And look, it's it's you doing something. It's it's you doing something which is very positive, Stu. That's all. Cameraman, I can your cameraman even got uh, Neil he, he Jackson. Went, Neil, he went onto the he went on the couch, didn't he? He did. And he yeah. couldn't energy going through his body. Yeah. And you were sitting there watching the orbs, weren't you, on the camera? Yeah. 
listen, Stephen, anybody can question it and anybody can, but if I'm telling the truth, it's a, it's a, not a hundred, a million percent. Yeah. It's a million percent, truthfully. That that video, that documentary, Hold Man the Healer, it's not just a documentary, it is a tearjerker, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's an emotional one. And I mean, people have enjoyed any, watching it. Yeah, anybody's got any feelings and they listen to the grand and the mother talking about what happened and how, how the son was saved, it is proper, it's a proper loving story. That story there, I tried to get, I tried to get um, the news to take it on four days before Christmas and they weren't interested in that kind of story. How the hell can they not be interested in that kind of story, Stephen? All I'm interested in, if somebody, a transvestite is doing this or doing that and, and stupid bloody things, they want to interview about stuff like that. But that was a proper, genuine miracle. Mm -hmm. Four days before Christmas. And nobody was interested in taking it on. Yeah, it's, it's a strange it's a strange situation, it's, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Just just before we finish, mate, um, just... You know, obviously your previous your previous life when you were you were getting involved in things you you you, you know you, you got dragged into. Um, you know, if there was anybody out there, and I mean we see a lot of it on YouTube now. I mean, I hold my hands up, you know, glorification of crime, writing about crime, doing books, doing documentaries. Um, but it you know, it does sell. People do like a bit of escapism, yeah. people do yeah. like to read about yeah. the sayers, they do they do like to read about. Um, you know, the Essex boys, they do like to read about the craze um, and, and these things do sell. And, and if I wasn't writing a book about the sales, somebody else would do it. If, if, if you know, yeah, if, these, if these other authors weren't writing books about other criminals, then, you know, somebody else would do it. Documentaries and films are made. Um, but anybody sitting at home, um, a youngster, an impressionable youngster who's, you know, watching some of these podcasts now, we've now got podcast wars going on on YouTube. People come in, people you would never expect on YouTube speaking. And, and, and making outlandish statements and, and bigging themselves oh. up. Um, yeah. From your perspective, what message would you give to somebody who's sitting at home thinking, well, I fancy a bit of that. I, I'm, I'm quite a hard guy. I can go to the gym. I can, I can be running my local neighbourhood. What message would you give them, Stu? Listen, what message I give them, it, it, the money's good, the holders are bad. <laughs> yeah, the money's good, the holders are bad. And if you're prepared to prepared to put your life on a line if you're doing it, if not, don't do it. Don't do it. There's plenty of people that you've talked about there. They're not here anymore to tell the tale. And like you said before, if you, if somebody else doesn't tell the tale, you're gonna tell. You, you've told the tale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you if you don't do it, somebody else is gonna do it. But it, it, the the main thing is, Stephen, it's there to be told. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's it. As long as I'm not telling telling a load of bollocks, yeah. you know, and, and pulling ourselves up here and up there, and that, different, you know, you are what you are. Different, be somebody that you're not. And if, you know, <laughs> like I've said before, believe in yourself, or believe in God and Jesus. It's a great message. It's uh, been a pleasure speaking to you. Hard Man to Healer, available on Amazon. And don't forget to check out Stu's Facebook page as well. Stu, thanks for giving up some time again. Uh, have a, a great and prosperous and a healthy, most importantly, a healthy 2022. And best of luck with everything you're doing, mate. Look forward to catching up with you face-to-face -face very soon. Thank you, Stephen. Cheers. Cheers, viewers. Thank you.